Hey y'all, you're listening to Crying and Trying, the podcast, the comprehensive guide for cultivating emotional intelligence in a fucked up world. This podcast focuses on how oppressive systems and the human experience interact and impact our mental health. As a disclaimer, I am not a licensed mental health care professional or an expert. I am just one human who has lived through the mental health experience, sharing my story and giving my advice. Please, if you or someone you know needs help, seek it out immediately by a professional. I will have hotlines, warm lines, and other support resources available in the show notes. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Crying and Trying. I'm Allie. And I'm Lexi. And this week, we are talking about a listener-suggested topic, actually. Uh, my friend Luke, shout out Luke, who is um, my non-binary professor turned friend turned co-worker. Um, so I've known Luke for over a decade at this point. And they, when I had dinner with them recently, were like, you know, I had someone disclose some trauma to me. And I didn't know how to respond. I didn't know how to support them. I didn't know what to say. And so if you could do an episode on that, that'd be really helpful. And I was like, yes, love it. And so Allie and I kind of had a hard time with this because unfortunately the best way to support someone who's struggling with their mental health is not a one size fits all answer. Wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't wouldn't that be nice if we were like, (laughs) well, you go to the store and get some ice cream. I mean, and then that help them until they cry and you make them a shubby, like done, done. <laughs> no, it's not that, that easy. And I wish okay. it was. And for some people that might be all they need, mm-hmm. but for, I feel like the thing too, I mean, for me anyway, the support I need is different every time I'm struggling. Like, right. Right. Yeah. That, that happens with me too. What, what might have work with one episode um, isn't going to always work with the next. I think that for the most part, I'm pretty consistent because I just need attention and love and reassurance, but, um, yeah, no, it's tricky to navigate. And, um, I think one of the hardest interrelation interrelational pieces of, um, having friends who have mental illness is when they need you the most. Yeah. And it's also, I mean, We'll get into this more at the end too, but it's like knowing when you need to set boundaries and like when you can't support somebody, that's something that like I've struggled with like a few weeks ago, actually, I was really feeling overextended. I think I talked about it on the podcast, actually, like people were reaching out to me for help and like I was just helping them and I was supporting them and I was talking to them. And then I ended up like putting myself into an episode because of that. I wasn't like taking care of myself. And so this is really, it can be really tricky. And this is, you know, where building your emotional intelligence comes into play so that you know how to recognize emotions and other people and your own feelings and kind of figure out how to have an emotionally intelligent conversation in a way that helps both parties. Definitely. So I think the basis for helping anyone truly with anything is education. Uh You have to first educate yourself on, um, on their diagnosis. And that doesn't necessarily mean like, 
reading going a and picking up a DSM five, right. Or, yeah. you know, yeah. Going and reading these crazy journals. It's honestly just doing the very, very basic yeah. because when you do that for somebody like me who has an attachment disorder, you're going to learn, Oh, she is feeling this way because she feels like someone's going to abandon her. Okay. Yeah. I can help her by reassuring her. I'm not abandoning her. And then on the other hand, for somebody who, you know, maybe is coming off of a manic episode, it's going to look a lot different. And without that education piece, you, I mean, it's still possible to help obviously, but it, you're going to be way more prepared and way more effective if you're educated. Yeah. You've, you'll have more tools in your tool belt to effectively help that person. But even with all the education in the world, and if you are like a psychologist and you know everything about that mental illness, the support might not help. Like you could do everything you could, everything you could think of and try your best and try really, really hard. And they're not going to feel any better, or they're still going to feel whatever it is that they're feeling. And that is I think one of the harder things is like you, you want to help the person. And if it doesn't, like, what do you do? Do you feel like a failure? Like you're like, I messed up. And so, I mean, that's where the emotional intelligence piece comes in too. And like depersonalizing and like realizing that it's super, super complex because at the end of the day it is. And that's why, like I said, you know, certain episodes, I need certain types of support and others. I need other, like today I, I, um, got on the call, I was almost in tears because I was like, I'm wicked stressed. And I'm like, "Ah." and Allie was like, I wish I could give you a hug. And like, for me in that moment, if she was here and gave me a hug, I would have just lost it and started bawling, (laughs) which, you know, maybe is what I needed (laughs) to like, I need to cry probably. And I probably will when this is over. Um, (laughs) But like people a lot for me they like when I'm struggling will come up and try to hug me and that sends me into a spiral like that lets me release everything so like if I'm at work trying to keep it together and trying not to have a meltdown and someone comes up and gives me a hug I'm like no please don't but other times like that's all I want is someone to like hold me and so it's not only like educating yourself, but communicating, I think is the other biggest piece of this. Absolutely. absolutely. Um, um, talking to the person about what they prefer, what they need in certain spaces. Um, there's a lot of tips that we have, but I think it's important to start with things not to do. Right. Um, too, just so that you know, some things that like generally don't work for most people. And and unfortunately, these things to avoid are things that are done really, really often. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, I think it's really important that we're starting with, hey, do not do these things no matter what. Um, And I mean, again, the communication piece is key because this, there might be someone out there who's like, no, it's fine. Try to fix all my problems. But Mm -hmm. um, for us, some of the things that we've indicated, um, first don't be pushy. If Uh they're not, if they're not in a place to open up, you should not be trying to pull information out of somebody that is crossing a barrier that is inappropriate and not helpful. And like, I'm thinking of like, Oh, well, like I, I need you to answer me. You're not answering my text. Like what, what can I do? And just like being really overbearing can be very overwhelming if they are not 
ready to share something with you or they don't want to talk about it or they don't need the support or they're not ready for it, you trying to force it is not going to help. It's probably going to make things worse, honestly. Um, And then you'll probably take some of that and personalize it and really turn that into, oh, well, when I try to help you, you won't take it. Um, And if you've kept yourself doing that, really take a step back and, and think, okay, am I truly trying to help? If this person is being unresponsive, am I being helpful? Because probably the answer is no. Uh And like, am I doing this more for them or for me? Like, I feel like if you're being really pushy, it's because like you want to feel helpful and like you want to feel useful and needed. And if you're still pushing and you're getting that pushback from the person and you're not respecting the fact that they are not in a space for that, are you really trying to help them if you can't, if you're not stopping? And I mean, you know, that's really complex too. And, you know, we can't parse out exactly what's happening in this hypothetical situation. Uh, Um, Right. So I think one of the most common things that we see um, all too often is people trying to fix the issue. So this is something I, I mean, this is a, a vast generalization, but I feel like probably a good 80% of the time when people that do not have mental illness are trying to help somebody with a mental illness, they are coming in from a problem solving solution Uh type of place. And although that might be helpful sometimes, more often than not, when somebody is first experiencing that emotion or their, their trauma is fresh or, um, they they're really depressed at the moment fixing it is not appropriate it's not what they want typically it's not what's needed and it's going to make them feel worse when you come in with an attitude of oh yeah let's do this let's do that that is adding to the plate of the mentally ill person that is giving them more tasks to have to sort through in their head to figure out how to do more things when in reality you need to sit back and listen. So starting those conversations um, to help somebody should really look like, what can I do for you? Uh It shouldn't be, Hey, I've noticed you've been really sad. I think we should do this for you or um, mom. I love you, but my mom is definitely a really big, big proponent of this. And again, I'm always coming for the boomers. Um, but I, I, I truly feel like that generation is like, oh, well, if you know, you need to get up and get going. And my mom always would say to me, put a rubber band around your head and snap out of it. Oh, I hate that. Okay. Mom that, or pit on your big girl undies. Um, yes. I'll just snap the serotonin back into my brain and like that. (laughs) those aren't things obviously that she meant maliciously. But I will tell you firsthand, they made me feel so much worse. They made me feel guilty. They made me feel ashamed that I just couldn't do something. And had she said to me, okay, what, what will make you feel better? I probably would have said, I don't know, but that's better than telling me to put on my big girl underwear. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And that's one thing I'm glad you said maliciously, because I want to preface like all of these things we're saying not to do that most of the time people doing these things are 
coming from a good place. Right, like, right. They think that fixing it is the best way to support, or they think that pushing them is the best because like they need a little push and you need a little extra help. And so if you are listening to this and you're like, oh shit, I do these things, like don't beat yourself up about it. And that, because like, it's all coming from a good place most mm-hmm. of the time, I feel like. However, um, intent and impact are very different. Like you can intend for it to be super helpful, but it can have a completely different impact. And like being mindful of that, like, yes, I wanted to be helpful and I am hurting, I think is, um, instead of helping is really, um, important to be able to recognize that as well. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. So if you are doing these things, it's okay. You can work on consciously trying to not do them and replacing it with some of the the tips that we're going to share in a bit. Yeah. So I think that, you know, the next couple of things that we have on here are things that you would see more with somebody who had more of a malicious intent intent, or, you know, really that narcissist that, um, is, trying to gaslight or something like that. So the the patronizing and the judgment and the minimizing, um, the, and actually that is another huge, um, subconscious thing that I feel like we do a lot is minimize other people's worries. So one of the, again, bringing it back to my mom, sorry, (laughs) sorry, mom. Um, something that a a technique that she used a lot and and still uses is the comparison. And, um, I I actually hear this a lot from a lot of people. Um, and I will be the first one to tell you not to do this. So by comparison, I mean, when somebody says, Oh, but you know, so-and-so has it so much worse or, um, you know, the whole starving kids in Africa. Yeah. You know, um, and by doing this, you know, you might, I understand the, the point is to say, count your blessings, right? Yeah, it's kind of like the toxic positivity almost like it ties yeah. into that. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, but like, yes, other people might have it worse, but that's not going to help me feel better. If anything, it's going to make me feel worse that I'm upset that, about um, this when other people have it worse. Yeah. So ding, ding, kind ding, of yeah. snowballs, you know? Right. Exactly. So please be super mindful of that. And just, I don't, I really don't think that that helps anybody when, when we're trying to compare, um, those situations, if that is your intent to kind of say like, Hey, count your blessings, then encourage the person to do some gratitude journaling with you or something or something that's putting it in a more, um, neutral place and a constructive. Yeah. Right. Then, um, a compare, a comparative place, because that's when you get into trouble and that's when you start to feel really, really bad. Yeah. And I think that kind of lines in, or blah, blah, blah. I think that kind of leads into the next one is not applying judgment to things. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I feel like when you compare that automatically applies a judgment to how you're feeling or how you're handling it. Um, And obviously, I mean, we don't want to be judgmental when we're trying to support someone, but there are certain things and phrases and ways that you can say things that come off as being judgmental. Like, oh, well, you shouldn't be, anytime you use the word should, that is a judgment. So Mm -hmm. if you're saying, 
you shouldn't be sad. Like you shouldn't be depressed. You shouldn't be whatever you're saying. Oh, it's bad that you feel that way. And we've already talked about how no emotions or feelings are good or bad, but when you say should, it makes your brain jump to like, Oh, I'm not doing that. I guess like, you know, I'm not, I'm not doing what I should. Right. Did we ever do, did we ever talk on here about the, it would be helpful if, or if it, it would be good if. I don't know. I did just talk about that with my therapist. So. <laughs> did she like it? She did. She was like, or actually it may have been Sam. Sam's also kind of my therapist. <laughs> but I think she was like, you know, it would be nice if I could take a shower instead of like, I should take a shower. Right. Yeah. Um, it just takes that little it might seem like a little change and it might seem like a little thing, but those things make a giant difference to somebody who is truly struggling. Yeah. Words huh. really matter so much more than we realize. Mm-hmm. And like what you're saying and the words you're choosing have a big impact on how your message is received. So I think, you know, just being really mindful of what it is that you're saying and that you're saying what you mean to say when you're right. trying to support someone can go a really long way. Right. So I think that it's really important that we kind of like take apart what Luke had said to you Uh that someone came to them and they didn't know what to do. Uh So I kind of want to give people the the tools for what to do, um, when that happens. And, um, I'm kind of going a little rogue here off of our our outline. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Off of our outline. Um, So step one, I don't know, and correct me if you have something else, Lex, but step one for me is always thanking that person that they trusted me. Yes. 10 out of 10 times, someone tells you something terrible or that they're struggling. You thank them because guess what? That was not easy for them to tell you. They probably had a lot of anxiety over it. They probably lost sleep over it. They probably thought you were going to judge them. And they came to the conclusion that they could trust you. Uh Um, So you're a safe person. Yep. So number one step is to say thank you. Yeah. And I think, I mean, it's really hard. So like, I'm trying to think if someone came to me and they were like, hey, I was sexually assaulted. I mean, I, even though I feel like I'm very well-versed in this, I would still have like, I would be like, oh my God, I don't know what to say. And yeah. I, a lot yeah, of the time, I don't know what to say. Right. Um, but I think the second part is to be really honest. Like if you are taken aback and you don't know how to respond to something, say that. Like that. Yeah. Don't try to come up and like make something up and just right. say, and be a, and say a something. psychologist real quick. <laughs> Like like, pull out my DSM five and um, flip to sexual assault. Give me one minute. (laughs) Right. Like be like, wow, thank you for sharing with me. Like I'm sure. And like validate them. Like, I'm sure that that wasn't easy to talk to me about. And honestly, like, I don't really know what to say right now. I don't know how to support you. And that kind of opens the door. Be like, what kind of support do you need? Right. How can I I help you best in this moment? Yeah, I think that's a great second step. So thank them and validate them. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, like you said, validate that it, one, it wasn't easy to come to you and validate that their problem is real. Mm-hmm. That however they're feeling is valid and they are allowed to feel exactly what they're feeling. Yeah, I feel like often 
um, with like my friends, like you and Rachel and Sam in particular, because we're the, the ones that are practicing this every day. It's like a lot of times when we're struggling with something, it's a really irrational thought. And we know that it's irrational and we know it doesn't make sense, mm-hmm. but having it affirmed makes such a difference. So I feel like I'm, I'm thinking of an, a conversation with Sam where she's like freaking out about something that we both know is stupid. And I'm like, okay, thank you for sharing. Like that sounds really stressful. I'm sorry that you're going through that. And like, but then being like, okay, but is this the, and going into some other support strategies that you have. But I think it's really important to affirm that what they are feeling is okay to feel and like that they shouldn't feel bad for feeling that way. Um, Right. I think that it is telling you will see someone physically relax once this happens. I think that we're all very guarded and we expect kind of the worst when we're going into a situation like this, especially if you are someone like me, or I'm sure like you Lex who have come in contact so many times with people who do the things that you shouldn't do. Yeah. Um, so or you have people that like, just don't understand and haven't taken right. the time to understand. So you are expecting that they're going to shut you down or say something to make you feel worse. And so right. having someone be like, no, no, that really sucks. I understand completely. It's just like, a, it takes a huge load off of your shoulders. Yep. Now I've heard in other places and I've never had somebody try this with me before, but, um, I would love it if. <laughs> Well, that's not true. Maybe I have. If somebody, when I am really struggling, were to say to me, do you need a listener or do you need a helper? That's well, my like go-to thing. Sorry. Yeah. To Can I? No, no. Okay. I will always say with like Sam, I think I have the most practice with is like, yeah. are you in a solution stage or a feeling stage? Right. So that I can gauge like, okay, I don't know what you've been dealing with. Like, do you want to try and talk about solutions and how we can move past it? Or do you just really need to vent and get this off your chest? Right. Um, And if you don't identify that they're going to, there's going to, there could be pushback, you know? Right. And that's the communication piece. Like what exactly do you need from me right now so that I can best help you? Because otherwise you're just taking a blind shot in the dark. Like, Mm -hmm. You, you need that guidance. So I will make a mental note uh, to ask you that next time you're struggling. Oh, thank you so much. I've got you, friend. I mean, usually, usually with me, it's, I need a hug. Like I need Aww. somebody to physically hold me. Um, but you know, it is what it is. And so I honestly think with those few tips, the door will be open. So I'm just, I just keep picturing your friend. And if they were able to say like, thank you for telling me, I don't know what I'm feeling. Yeah. Do you want me to listen or do you want solutions? Like I it's, it might sound and feel like a script at first, but once you practice it more and more and see that the other person on the other end is so receptive and so relaxed, Mm -hmm. um, it's going, you're going to get better at it. And not only that, but from there, you'll be able to kind of gauge, okay, what is the level that I can help? Where, where am I at where I can provide help? Because if they say to you, yeah, I really need you to come to my house and just stay the night. And you're like, I 
absolutely cannot do that. Yeah. Then you know what I mean? Then you'll be able to really work through and figure out, okay, well, I can't do that, but maybe we can do this instead. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So then at that point, the door will be open and you can really figure out where to go from there with that person. And so with all that said, I know that we have people in our lives that definitely have to deal with us (laughs) um, (laughs) when we are in our fields. And so Lexi and I both kind of um, ask these people what, from their perspective, what they do and um, kind of help it, uh, helping us. And um, Lex, do you want to start first with what Alex said? Yeah. So Alex is my partner of six years. Um, So he has been with me through like, honestly, the worst few years of my life. Um, and has been one of the more adept people at figuring out how to support me. Um, and so when I asked him, he honestly was like, Oh, I I don't know. It's different every time. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was like, that is the key (laughs) that it is different every time. Correct. hundred percent. But his biggest thing first and foremost was to be patient and understanding, um, knowing that, you know, this is not an easy thing and it's not going to be fixed in this one conversation. And you're probably going to have similar conversations over and over and over because mental health is not like a great, I'm done. It's a lifelong process, you know, of trying to balance that. So being patient and understanding, don't giving advice unless they ask for it, which, you know, we've kind of already said, don't try to fix it. Um, unless they're coming and they're like, I don't know what to do. What should I do? Um, in that case, they're very clearly saying the support I need is some help making this decision. Um, he also said to listen and to just be there for them. And I think that that last one is really what is most special about like all of the people that are close to me is that they're, I know they're always there for me. Like I have a very solid support circle, And I know that if I needed to text Allie and be like, hey, I'm freaking out, or if I needed to text my friend Sam and be like, hey, I'm freaking out, that I know that I'm not going to be a burden and I know that they are willing to help me. Um, And so, you know, I think being there for them, that kind of, I, um, but I feel like if you don't make it known that you are a safe space, and what I mean by that is like, in the things that you are saying and the things that you're sharing on social media, like Britney Spears right now is obviously she's out of her conservatorship. Her social media is a little weird, right? She's kind of doing a bunch of, and, but people are like, Oh my God, she needs to be in that conservatorship. Like I can't, but she, what think about all the people knowing her tits. Like, like think about all the people in your life that have a mental illness that like have maybe had a manic episode and they're seeing you say something like this bitch needs to be hospitalized. Right. That shows them that you're not a safe space. And so like being mindful about the things you're saying and the way you carry yourself in the world, I think is the best way to be there for people. Right. Um, yeah, yeah, no, that was Alex's tips and tricks. <clears throat> and we love Alex. We, we are, we are big fans of Alex. He's a good one. Yeah. He is a good one. Um, as for my little survey, so I have yet to talk about him on this podcast and I, I probably will, but without saying it other times. Um, but Steven, who was my partner, um, who is Avery's dad 
is around me a lot. We're still very much around each other on a daily basis. Um, Co-parenting. Yep. We're, we co-parent. We um, really are there for each other as friends. Um, and so I asked him too, and, you know, he's very passionate about psych and he's very passionate about, um, helping people. And, you know, there's some, um, inconsistencies because it's difficult when you're intertwined with somebody and you have trauma from that person. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's it was surprising to me to hear some of these things from him because those are things that it, there are things that I didn't see. Right. Um, but again, when he's dealing with his own things, um, it's a different, it's a different story. You can't expect somebody to hold up your, what your needs when their needs aren't met with other things. Yeah. And I think that's really important too, that like, it's it shows how complex this is that he's aware of these and he knows that this is what he right. should be doing and he still struggles in your relationship to do that and that like that's a factor of your history and all the things you guys have been through and the the feelings and emotions he's bringing to the table too so I thought that was really interesting that like when I saw this too I was like oh he he said those things right um, but like, it, who, who did <laughs> it really highlights just how complex all of this can be and why communicating and being open are like some of the most important pieces of this right so I mean the things that he said are really consistent with the things that Alex said and the first one he said was be patient too so the things that Steven said were really consistent with what Alex said in that the first one is to be patient. And, you know, this is consistent with everyone. Um, be, by being patient, I really think when people are saying that they're talking about take checking yourself, uh-huh. check yourself first before you wreck yourself. Uh-huh. Um, or with that other person. Um, because if you're not patient and you're not in a place where you can be patient, then don't try to help. Just don't. Yeah, and if you're going to be reactive and personalizing things, then it's not the time for that. Right. Tell a blanket statement. Like I am not in the headspace to help. I'm so sorry. I love you, but I'm not in the headspace. And that's okay. Um, like if someone yeah. comes to you for support and you can't, that's okay. That is a boundary that you are able to place. Right. And it's hard to do that because you're like, fuck, I really want to help this person, but you can't pour from an empty cup. Right. And if you are, if anyone listening ever needs like wording or kind of like scripts to use, Lexi and I would be more than willing to provide things like that because these, these conversations are hard to navigate. Yeah. And there are definitely key sentences and key phrases that are, will make your life a lot easier. Uh-huh. So in like what I just said in that occasion where you're not up to it, you, you're going to need some key phrases. Like, I love you still. I care about you. I'm still a part of your life. This is about me. It's me, not you. Um, <laughs> but so cliche. Right. Right. You're not breaking up with them, but um, okay. So uh, the other one Steven said was always listen, which is interesting because that's what Alex said too. So, um, and Stephen was really honest with this one because he is, and similar to what Sam said is it's hard to not jump in with fixing. It's hard to not jump in with, oh, okay, well, this is what I think you should do, or this is what I've been noticing, or, um, from an outsider's perspective, I think you should just do this, Uh you know, Uh 
Um, so active listening inside your head, be, be actually taking note of what they're saying and practice some rephrasing back to them. Okay. okay so what I'm hearing from you is you're really struggling. Work has been a lot on you. Is that right? Like I'm here. I have the information, right. Right. Mm -hmm. So that they know you're listening. Yeah. Um, active listening. And like, once you hear someone say your words back, you're like, Oh wow. They really heard what I said. Yeah. It's a powerful tool. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Um, and then he also said, educate yourself on their diagnosis, which I said a little bit about that at the beginning, but I want to kind of stress more particularly in partnerships. I think that this is a huge, huge ticket. Uh -huh. Um, if you have, if your partner has some sort of diagnosis or mental health issue, you have to start reading. If you really truly want to understand them, you have to start reading because, yeah when you, when you get that education and you understand, like I was saying with my attachment disorder, you will understand that, oh, okay. You want to go to the store and have some alone time. That's fine. But don't lie to me and say like X, Y, and Z, because I'm going to think that you're going to abandon me and never come back from the store, you know? Yeah. And like, similarly, I have issues with both of my parents, not knowing how to approach their relationships with me and like the things that they're saying are triggering and not supportive. And so I straight up was like, here's a book all about PTSD. Yeah. Um, I think I've talked about it already. The body keeps the score. I sent that to both my parents and I was like, read this, go to some support groups for family and friends, and then come and talk to me. I was like, I am not going to sit here and tell you or for you everything that you need to do to help me like you need to pull some weight so right. I think and you know at the same time educating yourself it's not a hundred percent on your shoulders to completely understand this either it goes both ways right. like it's you right. and the person totally. you're supporting which I think goes on to the next one um that Stephen has listed yeah and the last one was know your limits and you know this is definitely something that applies to our relationship because, um, more often than not, Steven is the person that I want to help me. Uh -huh. And Steven is at a place where he feels like it's inappropriate to do that uh -huh. because when, when I, what is effective for me is physical touch and, you know, telling me how wonderful I am and just those affirmations mm -hmm. and really like the physical touch piece is huge. And Steven has had to put some serious boundaries down mm -hmm. to say, like, I literally cannot give you that. I mm -hmm. know that you need that, but that's a limit that I can't do. So, which is very, very hard for the mm -hmm. person struggling. Um, but as the person struggling, it has made me do a lot of reflection and, um, you know, realize that like the want that you might have for somebody to support you is not always going to be met. Mm -hmm. Um, and it can be, you can fulfill your needs in other ways, but that specific thing that you might want shouldn't take you down all the way to rock bottom. Mm -hmm you know? Um, so that's heavy. That's heavy. It is. But mm -hmm. you know, I think it's really important to mention that too. Like I'm, I feel like a broken record. It's really complex. It's very complex. Really complex. 
Yes, it, but it for real is. But it, I mean, uh. our brains are so, there's so much that goes on inside. And we're just sacks of meat filled with electricity. I ate some meat so. on the meat sack. <laughs> <laughs> so like, it's just crazy to me that like, we're literally sacks of meat with electricity running through us and that we're capable of coming up with all of these things and cognitive distortions and how, and just how challenging it is to interact with other people. Mm-hmm. Oh. But yep. Sam, our best friend who's been on the podcast a few times already, mm-hmm. um, she didn't have a ton to say actually, which I thought was kind of interesting, but she kept it short and sweet that like the hardest thing is trying not to fix it. And most people don't want to be fixed. They want to be heard. Um, I think that that like is honestly the, the, the one takeaway, if you can take from this episode is that people just want to be affirmed and heard and know that someone understands what they're going through. So empathy is really a huge, huge part of this. Like, being yeah. able to put yourself in their shoes, even if you've never dealt with something, like you can still be like, yeah, that must be really difficult or that must be blank, whatever it is. Um, yeah. And I think, so. well, I think that there is something to say about, you know, sympathy versus empathy because, yes. you know, when we empathize with somebody, we really understand how oh, they're they going and, and yes, and we understand how they're feeling, but you can't always do that, but what you can always do is sympathize. You can always, always say that sounds really, really hard. That I can't, I can't relate to that, but I can understand the level of, of pain that you're under sounds excruciating. So remember if you can't have empathy, you can always have sympathy. Mm -hmm. Um, So, so now, um, one of the pieces we've talked about has been educating yourself. And, um, this can be a lot of different things. Um, we've kind of already talked about this, but you know, you can attend support groups. There are support groups for friends and family members of people with mental illness. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I personally have seen some with like schizophrenia groups, like hearing voices and not knowing what that feels like people in that um, that know someone with schizophrenia, go to support groups for that. And then there's also like, um, Al-Anon, isn't that like for people who are related to alcoholics? Yes. Um, and so it's not AA, it's for people who have an alcoholic in their life and they're trying to, to deal with that. So attending support groups, there are a ton of books, a ton, a ton of books, um, There's also a lot of, and like educating yourself can also be having a conversation with them when they're in a neutral state mm-hmm. and asking some questions, be like, Hey, I feel like I haven't been supporting you the best way I can. If you're feeling this way, what do you want? If you're feeling this way, what do you want? And trying to like, you know, investigate a little bit and get some more information. Um, that's also a way to educate yourself. Um, yep. and then we also had, um, just like starting the conversation and like opening up communication can also be really challenging. So we had some tips outlined, uh, for that as well. So I feel like a lot of times you want to be like, do you need support right now? And that 
doesn't always land the way you want it to. Sometimes you just need to do the supporting and then see how they respond. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. I was just about to be like, I think we covered all of this, but, (laughs) but yeah, no, that's a really good point is that, um, don't be thrown off if they're like, no, Uh (laughs) you know, but it's worth, it's worth putting it out there. Um, because like we said, everyone wants to be heard. So if you at least put it out there, they know that you're a reliable person. Right. Uh And then also being prepared that they may say, I don't know. And being okay with that and supporting them and affirming them, even though they don't know. And just being like, well, you know, I'm here when you do figure it out. Or if something comes to mind, like, let me know. Um, Another thing that I had in here that um, I personally think is really helpful for me, and we'll get into this like safety plan in more depth in a, a future episode. Um, but I have done some safety plans, um, that kind of walk through triggers and warning signs for like when I'm not in a, in a good place. And I have talked through those with people close to me. Mm -hmm. Hey, these are signs that I am really struggling and I'm not doing well. If you notice that I'm being reactive or snippy, or I'm like, and I have all this whole list of things, like that's a sign that I might need some help. And so if you are someone who is struggling making a safety plan or a list of these triggers or warning signs and giving those to people that way you don't have to ask for help. They can kind of notice it. Um, it's also helpful because asking for help is often very, very difficult. Oh, I was just saying that, that, that is such, such a great tool. And you know, the analogy that I like to think of is like, if you don't have some sort of safety plan or you have, you haven't, you know, thought about those things as a mentally ill person, it's really like, and then you're expecting people to like rally up when they need you. That's like, if there was a fire alarm, like the episode of the office, you know what I mean? When, oh yeah, Lex is not the biggest (laughs) fan of the office, which they have very good reasoning behind. However, I'm still a big fan. <laughs> yeah, I'm like the black sheep of our friend group. Everyone loves the office and they talk about it. And I'm like, I hate that show. <laughs> You're like, that's very culturally in a fucking program. <laughs> oh, it would not land in today's whatever. <laughs> but definitely not. So there's an episode where there's like a fire. Uh, Dwight plans this whole fire um, safety thing and he sets a fire and everyone's like, I don't know what to do. Get us out of here. And they're like trying to break through ceiling tiles and out the window. And so that's like the analogy I think of is like, if a fire, you're the fire alarm and you're going off and everybody that is your support is running around being like, what do we do? What do we do? Where are we supposed to go? What are we doing? But if you have a safety exit plan, like in a school with a fire drill, (laughs) that's why we do drills. Yes. We're going to have mental ill drills. I'm going to pretend. I like real drills. Yes. I'm going to pretend to be losing my shit and I'm going to need you guys to rally. <laughs> um, Honestly, though, as stupid as that sounds to do like a drill for supporting someone like that's like role-playing. I do role that play, with yeah. my therapist all the time. I did mm-hmm. that with Alex too. Like when I have someone else that I'm like a confrontation, I'm like, can we like talk through this? Can you pretend to be that person? Mm-hmm. The more you practice things, the easier it is to do it in real time agreed so you know that was a lot of information and I think we covered a lot Mm -hmm. and I really um 
really appreciate Luke for um, asking this question and they yeah. seem like a really lovely, lovely person. So thank you for listening. Now, you know, um, the last thing I kind of want to challenge everyone to do is this week, if you're one, if you're the person struggling, start to make that plan, start mm -hmm. to write, write down some ways. And the, um, when you're in a neutral state that, you know, um, other people can help you and just remember that there's no wrong answers. If, if your answer is, I need someone to sit there physically with me and not say a word for an hour, that's, that's okay. Yeah. Um, and then if you're the supporter, start a conversation with someone in your life that you know that you could give them some help um, and use some of those, use some of those catchphrases because they work. I promise they do they your money do. back. <laughs> and I think the last really important part with this is that people that do have su significant support needs with their diagnoses or people that are undiagnosed that like, you know, are really struggling and haven't gotten any help and haven't acknowledged it themselves that they are need to deal with some issues. Those are going to be the trickiest people to support. Right. And it's going to take a lot more thought and a lot more communication and a lot more patience, especially if they're not being treated, they're not going to be as open to receiving support. Right. Right. Yes. That is a great thing to mention is that the, what we talked about in today's episode are for people who are able to regulate and, um, and fall, they fall into their diagnoses, but they can also get themselves back up. Uh -huh. And what, and what Lexi was just talking about is a whole different ball game and more like people who really should be inpatient or, uh -huh. um, you know, a lot of the times they're just those heavier diagnoses. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think yeah. we can probably get more in depth in that at, at a later point in time too. Cause I have, we actually might be able to talk about this with Larissa when they come on, because they were really struggling and I kind of had to be like, you need to go to a partial program. Right. Um, and they hadn't really like been dealing with things. And so in that instance, you know, I was like, Hey, you're not getting help. You need to get help. Go do this. Right. So, but like, it's, it's super tricky, super challenging. Um, and, you know, I think what I said earlier comes into play, make sure that you are a safe space, watch what you're saying, watch how you treat people, watch the way you carry yourself. If you really want to be a support to people, yeah, like the image, the yeah, the image of yourself that you project to the world is going to be the thing that opens the door. So someone feels comfortable to come to you for support. Agreed. Um, so moral of the story, don't be a dick. <laughs> Boomers get together. Be kind. <laughs> um, yes. But yeah, and I think I do want to do an episode on like building your support circle and like how to get the support you need. Um, I think that can be like building off of this. Um, just because like I am still working on building a support circle and I didn't have one a few years ago. I felt so alone. And over the past few years, I've worked really hard to be like, I have this person in my corner. I can go talk to this person. I can talk to the, and like knowing where you can go. Um, yeah. It kind of goes along with writing out those triggers and writing out those warning signs that as is actually part of the safety plan is who can I go to for support? So totally. Well, I think that about covers it. And, uh, yeah. you know, on this Wednesday night, Lexi and I 
are very early to bed kind of human. So we, we got to go. It's like <laughs> 10 minutes uh, past eight. And that is 10 minutes past my bedtime. <laughs> <laughs> so with that said, keep uh, crying in those shubbies. And trying to get through those menti bees. We love you. Support each other. Support everyone. Bye. Thanks for joining for another episode. You can find the podcast on social media on Instagram at crying and trying underscore pod on Facebook at crying and trying pod and on Twitter at crying underscore trying underscore pod. You can also find me personally on Instagram at Lex underscore G-O-N underscore give it to ya. And that is the number two. If you'd like to email us, our email address is cryingandtryingpod at gmail.com. Feel free to send us questions, comments, episode suggestions, or any other feedback you have. I truly love interacting with the listeners and your input is vital to helping the show grow. If you know anybody who would benefit by listening or who could even be a great guest, please share the podcast with them. The best ways to help a small independent podcast grow is to rate, review, and subscribe so other listeners can find us. You can also help by liking, commenting, and sharing our posts on social media to help grow the community. If you'd like to support the show with a small monthly donation, you can do so on our podcast page. This is just a placeholder until I'm able to get our Patreon up and running, but every small donation is appreciated. I'm also a proud member of the PodPros community and utilize PodMatch to connect with many amazing guests. This podcast is researched, produced, and edited by me, Lexi Hamsmith, using Anchor by Spotify.